Hey dolls, welcome to Successfully Struggling. Today I have Emily with me and she is going to talk today about well, a little bit of everything I think. We're going to talk about relationships, pregnancies, she, well Emily tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey y'all, I'm Emily. I'm, um, well I guess what I do for a living, that's an easy place to start, I'm a chiropractor and uh, a yoga instructor and I work with a lot, I work at a practice in color that focuses on families and I see a lot of pregnant women I see a lot of babies which is so fun um and then and then everybody else you know so do so. you adjust babies too I do that's cool I do I do they have spines too yeah and the who we are starts like pre-gravity like pre-birth and so and it's all recorded in your brain in your spinal cord and so it's so fun to feel these babies and how they come into the world with their own patterns I mean, they're out, sometimes hours old, sometimes days old. Sometimes I don't get them until they're like two months old. But they already have their little patterns in their bodies and their tendencies and their personalities. That's so, so cool. cool. So cool. Yeah. Literally stemming from birth or from, I guess, our grandmothers. Mm-hmm. I've been reading a little bit about that. So as a, this, you're also pregnant. And I with am. your second. Mm-hmm. Super pregnant. Super pregnant. Yes, but so cute. <laughs> when are you due? Next month. Okay. Which we're halfway through August, so yeah, it'll be here soon. Yeah. In the next few weeks. Yeah. Did you deliver on time with your first? He was a little early. He was like 37, 38 weeks. Okay. And no signs of being early. So when kid, when babies come prematurely, they have a lot of vernix, like the cream cheese on them. They have, um, their ears aren't really floppy. They'll kind of bend and stick. Um, there's a few things that you can look for. He'd had none of those. So he had cooked as long as he needed to. Okay. Um, but it was still like, yeah, 38 weeks or so. Yeah. You just have a hot oven, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how has this pregnancy been different from your first one? Has it been pretty similar? No, no, it's completely different. Really? It's like, it's, well, my first one was planned, anticipated. I'd been tracking my cycle forever. And I use acupressure points to like regulate my cycle. So I knew exactly when to expect it, exactly how long it was going to be, like everything. And um, I had been doing that for a long time. So I knew exactly, I, I knew immediately when I was pregnant. Yeah. And I had some pretty intense morning sickness, like clockwork. It was like the time that I was supposed to leave for work was when I would be throwing up, of Of course. course. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that was fun. Um, It was all, those first pregnancies, everything's still so like, so tight and strong. So I didn't even show until probably halfway through and feel the kicks and stuff um, until then. yeah, this one was out of the blue, pretty unexpected. I hadn't been track. I didn't have a cycle to track. I was still breastfeeding. So, um, yeah, I had no idea. We had no idea, and we weren't expecting. We weren't, like, planning. So it just sneaked in there, you know? So when you're still breastfeeding, you explain that. So because you were still breastfeeding, you can't track? Well, I didn't have a cycle. My first period was 18 months after my son was born. Wow. Yeah. I didn't have a period that whole time because I was, well, and typically when you're breastfeeding, you don't. 
okay. have a cycle. So I had I had pulled back a little bit. So I was breastfeeding on demand. Anytime I was with my son and he wanted to feed or was upset or whatever, um, pull the boob out. Yeah. And that was it. So so then when he was like a year and a half old, I needed some space. Mm-hmm. So we started just doing feeding for sleep. Okay. And so cut back a lot. And so, of course, that changed my hormones. My body responded. And so I got one cycle and then I got pregnant again. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. And I was I, like, I know it's possible. Like, I know that. But in that moment, I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to let my body do what it does. And yeah. It did what it does. Dude, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. That is so wild. So you're going to go like, I don't know, four years with no cycle just like that wow bro that's crazy yeah that's crazy yeah and without during pregnancy like I have to share my body yeah you know I can't well there's a lot of things can't what's cool about it is I don't really have to think about it like my body's just growing this person yeah you know and it's just happening and I don't have to push any buttons you know I don't have to do anything to make it happen there's some things that are better if I don't do them you know like drink vodka yeah. I don't do that anyway, but I'm just saying, like, don't do that. Don't go skydiving, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, that You're part's not so Googling cool. as much, or I know I've been a Google monster, but really? just with certain things, some things, like you're saying, like your body just knows. And it isn't, I was definitely more of a social drinker. So I'd go out and have a couple drinks. I'd have a good time with friends. And I mean, ever since finding out I was pregnant, I was, okay, is this going to be hard? Like, but no, man, I'm thoroughly enjoying just, like, people watching through if we even go out, you know. But still, it's just, it's so funny how it's almost immediate that you're just kind of like, mm, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't want <yeah>. that. <laughs> even before I knew I was pregnant, I was like, I don't, the spear isn't hidden. Like, it's just not, something about it don't taste right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Did you have, so this is your first one, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, did you, how was your first trimester and like with morning sickness and all that? Honestly, I had like none, but because I used to intermittent fast, that was the biggest adjustment because I wouldn't eat normally. I'd drink water and have like a lot of water all day while I worked and have a Diet Coke in my morning and a Celsius at some point throughout five hours of my day, but that was the hardest part was okay if I don't eat every few hours I was getting queasy I never got sick though not once so it was just an adjustment to like eat so Ryan was really good like packs me a lunch every day so I have stuff to snack on and fruit and just everything all day every day so that I feel super blessed in because Mm -hmm. if I didn't have Ryan doing that I would probably be like okay I need to run to Walmart that's just the busy life of me so I'm thankful that I had that kind of grounding for sure, but mm-hmm. no sickness really. That's awesome. But at 10 weeks, I had a subchorionic hemorrhage, so that was scary because um, I definitely thought I was having a miscarriage. So, I mean, I bled, and a lot of women supposedly don't. They reabsorb it, and then they see it in an ultrasound. So I, that was really scary, and that took a couple of weeks for my body to kind of regain energy because I was losing blood for two weeks. Um, but then it stopped, and it doesn't even show up on a sonogram anymore. But it's like a hematoma under your uterus, so mm-hmm. and it just ruptured. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of stressful, and that was also yeah. the moment that I really realized, like, I want this baby for sure. Like it, 
tore me up and it was on my due date from my first miscarriage so it was just it was a lot emotionally but that's really it that I really have had a pretty smooth pregnancy with that said though I miscarried at 12 weeks in 2015 and I was sick every day like two or three times a day for three months like clockwork every day <laughs> breakfast lunch dinner sick so and then it was almost like a cruel punishment because I miscarried, you know, mm -hmm. so that was a rough lesson to learn anyway. But with this one, it hasn't been like that at all. Okay. But I really didn't feel her until like 20 weeks, I guess, 21 mm -hmm. maybe. And so when I finally felt her, I was like, oh, okay, there you are. Hi. Like <laughs> the sonogram I could see and all that was good and fine. But I was dealing with a bit of body dysmorphia, really, because, I mean, you've known me since high school, and I've always, when I've been heavier, carried my weight up top. So I was gaining weight, and it was just kind of like, okay, are your collarbones still there? Okay, it's just in your <laughs> stomach. Okay, okay, okay. And then when I finally feel her, it's like, okay, it's all good. There you are. Hi, baby. You know? Yeah, there's a person. Yeah. It's a little nest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so sweet. It is. And it's so um, fleeting, you know? It's like, this is, it's just for a moment. Yeah. And then they come out and it's like, hopefully much longer period, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the, that's the part I miss the most when I'm not pregnant. It's just feeling them behind my belly button. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so sweet. She was kicking, or she has been the past few weeks, pretty low, um, but lately has moved pretty high up and the other day we were laying in bed and all of a sudden I felt something right right around my belly button I was like oh hello <laughs> like what, what are you doing you know and mm -hmm. just it is very it's very cool because I see so many clients and so many of them are mothers and you know I'd be asking well what's it feel like you know I have anxiety myself so when people would say oh it's kind of like you know, a little flutter. I'm like, okay, that's two four seven for me. So it's like, okay. That's um, funny. <laughs> I always feel flutters, man. I'm always anxious. But when I finally felt it, it was almost like a muscle spasm plus flutters or something. It's kind of like, ooh, oh, oh, that's you. Okay. And so now I really resonate with it, and it's just very cool. She'll so sleep cool. all day. I'll set down my shears, and then she's like, I'm up. Let's party. Yeah. Very cool. It's so, like, she already responds to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, the life that you're living. Yeah. Is that, it's so mind-blowing to me. Right. I'm just so <laughs> curious if I need to turn the blow dryer on to get her to go to bed when she's, like, out of the room. <laughs> Is that going to do it, baby? Yeah, <laughs> like, turn right. it on cool and just wave the room with it. Like, <laughs> it'll be so interesting. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She will be. Mm -hmm. She will be. It'll, oh, I'm so excited for you. Thanks. Me, too. Mm -hmm. I really am. It's going to be a very cool whole new chapter of life. Yeah. And it is yeah. cool, like, how the mind already truly shifts so much. Like, I don't know. It's truly preparing to be a mom. Yeah. Your brain prunes itself during pregnancy. Like, it clips away at the gray matter, and then you regrow it as you grow with your baby. That's so cool. Yeah. It's fun stuff. Like your whole physiology and that's what I think is so um like jarring for a lot of women is because because we think I don't know we we probably don't all think the same thing but there's this idea that 
like I'm gonna grow this person it's gonna come out and I'm just gonna kind of skate through my regular life and just kind of plug this person in but even if that no it doesn't work like that no like you change so much and your intentions and your priorities change so much and then and then your routine just cannot be the same with a new person right a new human yeah (laughs) <laughs> so cute. I can't believe you're going to have two. <laughs> I can't either. <laughs> I can't either, dude. I saw one of my girlfriends the other day, and she's like, she has, her daughter's six months older than my son, and she was like, I'm not ready for two. I was like, girl, me neither. I'm not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> yeah, you're going to just. Yeah, and I you can. aren't finding out the sex, right? Right. Okay. That's so cool. We didn't with my son either. That's we awesome. Just, and I really go... Like, minimal. I've seen my midwife four times throughout my pregnancy, and she's um, she's really minimal, too, which is why I love her and why she's my midwife. Yeah. And I've heard the baby's heartbeat all four times, and that's it. That's the only prenatal care I've gotten. It's all that I want. I don't yeah. really want to know. Or, um, no, that's it. That's all I want. So, no sonograms. No. Wow, that's so cool, man. What about with your son? Did you do like an anatomy scan or any type of song? What? That's so yeah. cool. Wow. Yeah. My anxiety would be like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you're also in the biz, too. Uh-huh. So you know way more about your body, a pregnant body, a child's body in general. So that totally makes sense. Whoa, dude. That's so crazy. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. My mom and my aunt were also both midwives. They both worked as midwives. And so I just, in the deepest parts of me, like my first introduction to birth was was um, that you don't need all the bells and whistles. Like yeah. the body does it. And it doesn't, and even like, so that was my introduction to it. And then I didn't even know people were born in hospitals until I was like in elementary school, you know? Yeah, I didn't know. And then I didn't see, I wasn't around my first hospital birth until I was in my early 20s. And I was a doula for a friend and was like riveted. I was like, I like went to my car and was like bawling in my car and like called my aunt and was like, what did I just witness? Because it was so, um different yeah so different and what I've learned is that it doesn't really matter what kind of stage you set for a birth your body's gonna do it yeah and I think it's the most detrimental when we think someone else is gonna do it for us and I think it doesn't have to be a hospital setting but often it depends on the practitioner and how much responsibility they're like adopting from you, like taking from you and saying, and being willing to take on that assumption that they're going to do it and you don't have to do it. That makes sense. But it's you that does it. Right. No matter what. Wow. I couldn't even imagine that experience because I mean, as far back as I can remember, my mom's like, you were the biggest in the nursery. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> and I mean, I was, all three of us were a girl, like me, my brother and my sister, like people would brag like, oh my God, whose children is this? Like, we're so all funny. almost 10 pounders. Yeah, I was almost oh 10 pounds God. and my sister was the smallest at eight pounds, 12 ounces or something. Oh like gosh. we were chunks for sure. Yeah. But 
I was two weeks late, so I was hairy. I was just a big old baby next to all these little six pound cuties in 1988. Like, I'm here. Make room, y'all. Right. Like, literally. (laughs) So that's wild. Like, I guess I never realized that. Wow, elementary before you realize, like, no, some people have people or babies in hospitals. Really, I was probably much older when I realized that some people don't do that. Some people have them everywhere else at home in water, <laughs> like in a pool. I'm like, what? In their car. <laughs> Dang it. Like, probably riding in cars with boys with Roger Barrymore, like when the baby is born. I'm like, what? This is a thing. Like, blew my mind. So I could totally see the opposite. Like, reaction kind of like what excuse me you didn't have it at home at your home like yeah. that's so weird you like had to go somewhere yeah yeah like... and that was when I with my first birth I was in my own bathtub most of the time and I just remember the recurring thought of like I can't believe some people get in the car right now like I couldn't even fathom making myself that uncomfortable dang I did not want to get in the car and go anywhere yeah 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 I was happy to just be in my bathtub yeah. You know how many of my clients, I mean, you don't, and I couldn't even tell you offhand, but so many drove themselves no, to dude. the hospital. I'm just like, uh, no. I've joked with Jake, and I've been like, what if my water just breaks here? And he's like, um, we're calling Brian. I'm not equipped <laughs> to deal with that. Like, <laughs> like, fair enough, babe. Fair enough. Oh, my gosh. I, I flung out some water, and this girl's thick hair just on Saturday, actually. And so it drops to the floor all trinkly, but like a splat, you know. And he's like, whoosh, whips his head over to me like, bitch, it is too soon. Like, don't play. Oh, my God. So it's like a running joke in the shop. Like, Jake's like, stop. <laughs> I need you to stop. Oh, my God. It's, it'll be interesting for sure. I think I'm, uh, I'm a little scared just with my... DNC with my miscarriage, like I hemorrhaged. I almost lost my life. It was a really scary thing. And even then, that doctor told me, like, my first exam. I mean, I'm maybe six weeks, seven weeks pregnant, and I go in and he does, like, pinky to thumb, like, oh, you're not, you can't vaginally have this child. And he told me that. And I was just like, okay, well, if the doctor says, kind of thing. Now, with this pregnancy, I went into it different and I'm on Medicaid, so it's super bare minimum anyway, <laughs> like it just is. And so I waited a while before I even mentioned it to her because I thought he was kind of a quack. <laughs> like now that I've had almost eight years to process that experience with this man, I was in my mid twenties versus now. I'm just sitting here like, no, I know more about the body. The body adjusts, the body prepares to have a child. And so when I told her about it, she was like, no, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that at all. Like, oh, good. at all. You know, I think you'll be just fine. Um, but I think with me hemorrhaging with my DNC then, and then with my subchorionic hemorrhage at 10 weeks, I'm just like, oh, my God, am I going to be a bleeder for life? Like, am I just like, am I meant to, I don't know, is my body chemistry just like, I like to bleed. Like, here I go. Like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just has me a little bit more like than mm-hmm. I wish I was because before I never really was scared to give birth. And now 
I have more fear in it, but I'm, you know, trusting in my purpose in this life anyway. And at the end of the day, so long as my baby is okay and comes into this life and has a life, then I'm going to be okay with that. I will feel happy and settled with that. If my purpose is to bring this little baby into the world and that's it, then that's it. But I don't think that's it. And I try not to sit on that thought, but I've come to peace with if anything were to happen with me at least I brought this baby into this world for them to have a life. If that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I'm trying to have more peace and um, confidence in myself that I'm going to be able to do this. Everything's going to be okay. And just do what I can to not hemorrhage and mm -hmm. make a tra tragic entry into this world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that it sounds like a great place to be because birth is death birth and death like walk the same path together and even like on a on a more ethereal plane there's you know if you want to imagine or believe that um this person is like walking between worlds right now and totally like in contact with the people on the other side, the people you know that are on the other side, which is a really comforting thought for me. I agree. That this person is being guided by those people that I'm like closest to, but so far away from right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then on a, on a very physical plane, I mean, what you're talking about is real. Bleeding is real. Death and childbirth is real. And um, I mean, if you're not if your willingness or not willing, you know, to do that, that makes a big difference in the experience you're going to have and how much you're going to lean into it and how much you're going to be with it. Right. I think there's, in the early 1900s, there was this thing called twilight births and they would just like knock women out. My granny would actually talk to me about it. Her first son, she like was asleep. You know, when what? they, uh huh. And they would even tie them down so they wouldn't have, yeah, they would tie their arms and legs down so they wouldn't have, like, um, what do you call it, like subconscious movement while they were knocked out. And then they would just let, but the body's so cool. Like, people in a coma can have their babies because really? the uterus just squeezes it out. Yeah. Without and them pushing or. You don't have to consciously push. There's something called a the fetal ejection reflex, and your body, your so labor is the the uterus squeezing the baby down, 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 and it's like the longest dive ever. Even though it's only a few inches, like that baby has to work to dive down into the birth canal, and then at that point, your I had a friend describe it as a like a whole body sneeze. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there's like this reflex that happens and there's a lot of reflexes that happen in the baby too to be able to there's like a certain they spiral as they come out. They have to tuck their chin so that the crown comes out first. This is like the textbook version. My son came out almost ear first. So they come out in all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. But so tucking their chin and then there's this extension that happens and this twist so that they can get one shoulder out and then the other and they just dive into life like that and you don't have to do anything like i was saying like you don't have to press any buttons you don't have to like you just kind of breathe and let your body do and your body does it okay yeah so wow. in the early 1900s they didn't they would put women to sleep and like that's how 
women had babies at that, that point. wild. Yeah, dude. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So your willingness or your unwillingness to be a part of the process and lean into it and really experience it. For me, it's like a lot of people ask me, did you have a natural birth? Are you going to have a natural birth? And I think, I think just after being asked that so many times, I think what they mean is like, are you going get, to get an epidural or not? Right. And I'm like, well, I had it at my house, you know, I had them on my living room floor. So whatever you want to call that, that's how it happened. Yeah. And for me, it, it's so much, it's not about the epidural. It's about, or the surgery, like if you have a cesarean, it's about how much you are willing to engage in like fucking bringing a human into existence. It's right. a big deal. It is. It's a big deal. Dang. So do you, I, this is kind of a, I don't know, maybe a con. Okay, do you think that there are instances where women do need the cesarean, or do you feel like those women could have a longer labor and eventually have the baby? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of controversial, so. Yeah, Yeah, and there's so many factors, Mm -hmm. and and, um, I've heard so many stories and I always wonder what would happen if women were just, they just stopped being tangled with, you know, mm-hmm. because of what I've seen, because I've seen women who were just like in their flow and they just got talked to too much, you know, and then they agreed to things that they probably wouldn't have. It is so trippy. It's like, I mean, it's like an ayahuasca trip being yeah. in labor is. And if you can just let yourself be taken by the experience, it's like the, the it's the most meditative intense meditation I've been a part of and so and then when people are talking to you I heard actually a midwife talk about how you so there's like the different levels of your brain different levels of your consciousness and it's normal in the birthing experience to unzip those like um personality parts the parts that make you like human instead of monkey like give you um understanding of social cues right like those parts start going away and you're you're dipping into your lower mind into your more mammal instincts and when people talk to you it re-engages those like upper mental levels and of course that's going to disrupt the process and so i often wonder if women were just left to be however instinctual they needed to be how much more progress they could make Mm -hmm. so so i don't know probably cesareans save lives probably yeah and i know when i was pregnant with my son just out of curiosity i looked it up and the cesarean rate in texas is almost 40 percent dang that seems awful high yeah right i don't think that's necessary yeah but i think that um I mean, they probably do save lives, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I have a client who, she's a twin, and they each have two kids. And one, they're not identical, but they look a lot. They look alike, mm-hmm. like same, similar frames. Like they look a lot alike. Um. One of them had both of hers naturally. The other one had one of hers. She was in labor for about fourteen hours something I guess she was breached um they ended up doing a cesarean and after she was out 
Um, they told her that her hips were too narrow and eventually they would have had to do this anyway. So I've been sitting here thinking about this and pondering like, was that a comfort tactic? Like, is that just something you say instead of like, I don't know. It just, it's hard for me because now she's had her other and it was a whole planned cesarean. You know, you go in, you got your lashes on or whatever, and you have this baby and it's, I, I don't know, man. It's just interesting. It's interesting, mm -hmm. especially even to look up the cesarean rate in Texas compared to other states and I mean, other countries even for sure. Mm -hmm. Like I bet it's drastically different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's honestly their story. They're both clients of mine and they came in together and we're talking to them or talking to me about it made me go in. Cause I wasn't going to say anything to my new doctor who saw no complaints, said nothing. I do have little hips. I, it work, I have to work my ass off to build an ass. Like I, I've got nothing, you know, so mm -hmm. I did go in and was had been nervous for a couple of weeks leading up to that appointment after they came in. And when I talked to her about it, she like straight up was like, dude, no, like it's going to be all right. Like she had her first at 35, her second at 37. I'm 35. So geriatric, whatever. Okay. And I know I'm like, dude, do I get a discount at Denny's? Like, really? But <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, she's been super chill and I like that. I like her energy because she's cool. doesn't seem to be tripping about anything, but takes literally any question I have seriously, but it's very reassuring that the body knows what to do. So mm -hmm. I'm thankful I found her for sure. Yeah. The body knows what to do. Your body is smart and it's really hard for your body to grow a body that's too big for this body. Right. And your pelvis is so, your pelvis is so dynamic and you have... It's designed to open up like a flower. Yeah. Designed to open up. You have three big joints that are all going to spread open as that baby comes through. Make room for it to come through. And you're, this is a big deal when I, so I'm a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always adjusting the tailbone. And especially in pregnant women, there's like, you have to, you don't have to, okay, truthfully. But one of the benefits that I give to women is, and the pregnant pelvis is that, like we're making space and we're creating dynamic movement because if your sacrum can already move well, then it's going to move well during your labor and delivery. That makes sense. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, I think what happens is emotional dystocia that's mistaken for or becomes um, an arrest in progress. There's so many women that I take care of who said they'll tell me everything was going great. They got dilated all the way to nine or 10 centimeters. And then they were like, I don't know. I just couldn't push them out. But, but really like in, in a position you did not choose with multiple people standing around you, bright lights, looking at your coochie. I don't think I could do it either. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I think there's a lot of that, like a lot of the arrest in progress has a lot to do with that. A lot more than we give it credit for I could see that oh, what was I uh what to expect when expecting there's a movie and I watched it when it came out like years and years and years ago but I watched it again recently and there's um two different people one's very she owns like a baby store and she's all like uh oh, I can't wait to be a mom they've been trying for Aww. years and years and years and they finally get pregnant and she has a horrible pregnancy 
Now, her father-in-law marries younger, and she's, like, this blonde, like, lazy-daisical, very chill, like, happy girl, like, da-da-da-da-da. She ends up getting pregnant quickly with twins, okay? And so the delivery, once, you know, nine months goes by, and they're both due around the same time, they end up at the hospital at the same time. The one with the baby store and has fully prepared and done all the things, da-da-da-da-da, has, like, a very rough experience and the other one kind of like sneezes and one comes out like she was just very chill like my pregnancy is going great like the and it seems to me what I took from that was like energy matters and like how you take everything you can prepare all you want but if you're not chill about the fact that you're pregnant if you're not like just doing the best you can and living through the day I don't know I understand that some pregnancies are harder than others but also I feel a mindset is so necessary even if you're having a rough pregnancy if it gets to a point where it's like oh I can't wait to get this baby out like <laughs> that's gonna be an issue when the big time to get the baby is out because you're like oh just get it out just get it out instead of just like oh this is my experience like mm-hmm. yeah it was very chill like I feel I don't feel I'm ah, get this baby out like at all I feel like I'm trying to mentally prepare myself like no this is the whole experience I may never have this again I I am 35 I don't know that I want to do it when I'm older I don't think I'd have the same experience with the career that I have it could be much harder next time and I understand that so I'm just thankful that I'm getting to experience this at all and with that said I feel like my mentality is just like take it experience it if you're tired sit down like I'm listening to my body rather than cursing at my body you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I feel like in pregnancy even if you're having the greatest pregnancy some days are harder than others and with my career yours too it's physical you know you're literally adjusting people and I'm doing 1500 or 15,000 steps plus a day just running around the shop Mm -hmm. so i that is a blessing for me rather than sitting and doing a desk job but I don't know I feel like mentality matters and saying physical matters big Mm -hmm. time yeah huge Mm -hmm. huge I think you're doing great thanks babe yeah yeah do you deal with carpal tunnel yeah yeah man that's been the worst for me lately it's (laughs) just like I never experienced it like you know 16 years doing hair and it's never been an issue and now it wakes me up at night and I'm like (laughs) Uh all the extra fluids Mm -hmm. squeezing down on those little canals yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yes I know I hear that a lot I'm sorry it's okay it's totally fine (laughs) it all changes like this once that baby comes yeah that's what I hear too so Mm -hmm. I'm like okay you'll be fine this isn't for life like and thankfully it's not during the day it's while I'm sleeping which sucks I mean it does wake me up Mm -hmm. and some days are worse than others but I have like two bottles of water next to my bed every day (laughs) like I wake up I chug I go to the bathroom come back chug go back to sleep good it's it's funny because I, I think cognitively, I'm like, okay, you're just not going to get the best sleep while pregnant. And then I also know, okay, you're not going to get the best sleep until <laughs> the baby gets here. Yeah. So I'm like already kind of training myself to be a machine and just like get some shut eye when you can. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard them say, I've heard a few of my friends say it's like preparation, yeah. you know, because I, yeah, during... Yeah, during pregnancy, I stopped sleeping, and I'm like, oh, so I'll be fine when the baby comes, and 
needs things. That was a thing though for us because at first it took maybe two nights of us like changing his diaper at night and I was like, no, we have to figure something out because I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get up and turn the lights on every time. No, no. Yeah. Uh, and he sleeps, he, actually he still sleeps like in my armpit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. that I don't have to get up and, you know, you just find your own little shortcuts and what you're willing to do. Totally. Mm-hmm. That's honestly, Ryan is funny because Ryan's like, well, I mean, we're going to, you know, get this baby on a schedule and this baby isn't going to co-sleep with us past a few months. And I'm like, okay, well, that's real cute. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is my first. I cannot tell you how I'm going to be until Aww. this baby's here. Uh-huh. So just be prepared that, yeah, no, this this king size bed, which has plenty of room for all of us, may have more than just the two of us after a few months. Mm-hmm. So it is funny. I don't know how I'll feel. I don't know, but I'm not going to be Drill Sergeant Mandy. That's just not my energy anyway. No. So it's just like if my baby does better laying with me or laying with you, then that's what the baby's going to do. So we all get some sleep. Mm-hmm. So exactly. it's, it is funny. Exactly. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. And even with Parker, my stepson, like Ryan got him, he came early, I want to say like six weeks, and he was born addicted. Um, um, Brooke, Ryan's sister, was an addict. So Ryan, he was on like morphine the first, not Ryan, um, (laughs) the baby, it was on morphine the first like eight weeks of his life. And Ryan had to feed him, you know, and wean him off and all these things Mm -hmm. and had a really rough first two years with this very you know calicky baby and very it was hard and not good sleep and working overtime and this was a baby that they didn't prepare to have this Mm -hmm. it was either going to go to ryan and ryan's ex ashley or it was going to go to one of brooke's friends and ryan's like no this baby's gonna come home to family this is my baby now Mm -hmm. but even then i think it was always kind of like okay my sister she's gonna get better she's gonna get you know she's gonna get the help so it was kind of temporary and then years were passing years were passing and till it wasn't and brooke unfortunately did end up passing away from an overdose and that is parker parker is ryan's son no doubt first words were dada like that is ryan's son no doubt but it's just, it's different. As Ryan tells me, like, I've never gotten to go through the experience of all of this. Like, the first day I felt the baby kick, like, I texted Ryan, who was downstairs working, and I was like, come up here. She's like, she's kind of moving, you know? And so Ryan came up and put um, his cheek next to the baby, and sure enough, got a kick right to the face. And oh, my gosh. I was like, this is so cool. Like, I thought I was going to feel it alone for a while, but I she was kicking hard enough that... I knew if somebody was there, if I was feeling it in my hand, Ryan would be able to feel it. And so it was cool, and it has been super cool. Like, Ryan can talk to her, and that baby's going to know that voice. And Mm -hmm. mine, obviously, because I never shut up, but especially Ryan's. And it's an experience that Ryan didn't get to have with Parker, unfortunately. And although... I feel blessed that Ryan had such a tough time with Parker because now I feel Ryan's super equipped, like went through baby boot camp with Parker (laughs) and now Parker's almost nine years old and the coolest kid ever. He's going to be a fantastic big brother, but I feel reassured that I'm not going to lose my shit because I'm a pretty chill person, but I'm more like, hand me your kid at three, you know, (laughs) so it's going to be a very interesting experience. 
for me, whereas Ryan is a baby person, so a baby calms Ryan because Ooh. Ryan had to find peace in that. Ryan learned pretty quickly, the more peaceful I am holding Parker, the calmer he's going to get. Mm-hmm. So they became they became each other's like woosaw. Like, yeah. That is so beautiful. Right? It's so cool. I'm so glad that you have him and he's had that experience with with the son already, mm-hmm. with the baby already. Me too. There, Someone told me the first month is the hardest because you have to adopt each other. And especially if you're in that situation where you, like you said, he didn't go through the baby kicks and all these things and yeah. and anticipate for 10 months, right? right? I mean, maybe he did. Did he know that that was going to be an option? Um, I, It's kind of confusing. So, I mean, Brooke found out she was pregnant when she overdosed at like six weeks. So it was six weeks pregnant and then she's like okay i'm pregnant and then she tried to get sober her and parker's dad tried to get sober the whole time kind of would relapse here and there and they were shoplifting to survive and she got picked up and thrown in jail i want to say seven or eight months pregnant from walmart and while in jail she couldn't get a hold of riley like she was begging guards that's parker's biological father um, begging the guards to like go do a wellness check, go check on him. And it took about four days before somebody finally went and did a wellness check. And that's where they found Riley and he had overdosed. Mm -hmm. So that was two weeks before Parker was born. So she gets out of jail and I'm pretty sure, you know, of course she lost the love of her life. She lost the father of her child. Like, I think she just went down the spiral used and overdosed and Parker was born. Mm. but like kind of sucked out like she couldn't push or anything so it was very tragic from birth life Parker has had truly so and I mean even in the womb like all the it's amazing that Parker is the the way that he is he is very hyperactive definitely ADHD but like so uh, smart beyond his years Mm -hmm. so I don't know. It's, they say trauma starts, you know, obviously in the womb, it starts with the mother. It starts with the father, even it starts, I mean, with all of it. So I don't know. He's super intuitive too. Like if I'm, he knows when I'm having a rough day and I think I have a good face and he'll be like, Mandy, are you okay? Your energy's low. (laughs) My little baby that I've created. (laughs) I mean, I, I came into his life at four. So we talk often, like, if he seems low or something's bothering him, you know, I'll just ask him and be like, you okay? What's going on? Your your energy's low. Like, and so now he sits here and asks me the same question, which is just, it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. <laughs> I love Good. it. Well, I love you. If I say I'm just tired, okay, well, I love you, which does help the energy go up a little, mm-hmm. you know? So, oh, vibes, cute. man. Yeah, it matters mm-hmm. a lot. Dang. Yeah. I didn't know that story. Yeah. I wonder if he, um, I know it sounds harsh, but I think often death is liberating. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what kind of things he's being liberated from by not having his biological parents. I will say we talked to him about it. Um, I want to say it's probably this Halloween will be two years ago. He was asking questions like he obviously Ryan's transgender. um, So he his grandma had let slip that Ryan wasn't biologically his dad. And so from that point, Ryan 
and didn't tell us about it for like a month. So this little six-year-old was just spinning in his head like, what the fuck? Oh you know, just thinking about all this. He didn't know up to that point. He didn't know up until oh. that point. And so he thought Ryan was Dada, Ashley was Mama. And so once that came and we started talking about it, he was like, okay, well, Dada, if you're not biologically my Dada and I'm your nephew, then Mama's got to be my Mama. So then it was getting together as a core for Ashley and her fiance and me and Ryan to, okay, we got to break this down to you. Actually, no, neither of us are biologically your parent. So we had to have that conversation and it's, it was a hard conversation to have, but I think it brought him a lot of, I think it brought a lot of knowledge to him at the same time. Like we have a thing where if, especially when he was younger now, we'll just talk anywhere. But, um, when he was younger and he was throwing a fit or having a bad day or something, him and I would go sit on the trampoline and we would just talk be like, okay, why are you so upset? Let's just talk it out. Like what's going on? Let's clear the air. And so we were all sitting outside on the back porch. We had just expressed all this, you know, that Brooke has passed away, that Riley had passed away. He knows his grandpa, Riley, which was Riley's dad. He's a part of his life. He sees him probably once a month, um, if not once every six weeks. They have a bond. They spend Saturdays together, um, which is fantastic. It really is. Um... But after everything was explained to him by Ryan and Ashley, uh, you know, they asked him, if you have any questions, let us know. And so he came up to me and came to my ear and we were on the back porch of our house and he said, can we go to the trampoline? So I said, yes, we can go to the trampoline. So him and I walked over to the trampoline and we got up there and he was kind of like teary and trying to like wrap his little mind around it, you know. And I said, what are you thinking? What's going on? And he said, I just don't believe I don't, I don't have a family. I don't have parents. And I was like, no, baby, that's not, that's not what this is. Your mama is your mama. Your dada is your dada. And biologically, your parents are two other people. But mama and dada have had you since birth. They've raised you since birth. And he said, well, I don't have any blood family. And I said, yes, you do, baby. Your grandma, that's your grandma. That's your blood grandma. But that doesn't make your Nana on Mama's side, any less your grandma. It doesn't make your Bubba, because Ashley has a son, um, his older Bubba, who was like maybe 15 or 16 at the time. That doesn't make him any less your brother. That is your brother. He's been your brother your whole life. Uh, grandma and Pampa, like those are your grandparents. That is your blood. Like that's your family. Grandpa Riley, that is your biological dad's dad. That is your family. I said, Lexi and I aren't family, but we love you just like you're ours. I said, blood doesn't make a family. That just makes a tie. Well, you make other ties with other family. And so we had this whole conversation, and I think it brought him some peace. And, of course, he has random questions throughout. Um, him being so young, it's not like we were like, okay, your parents were addicts. Like, they, da, 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 you know, it's just too soon for all that. Sure. But we told him, you know, that his parents were sick, so they, you know, didn't survive and kind of laid it baseline well this kid's just too smart seriously when i met him ryan was like ask him to say paleontologist <laughs> and he did it was so cute and he knew exactly all the details so he's just he's a really smart kid but throughout that month he was kind of just like um oh, i lost my train of thought um oh he asked okay well my parents died from a sickness do i have that sickness am i gonna die from that sickness in when oh. i get older so he really was trying to absorb 
everything that we were saying. Um, and so we expressed like, no, this was a different type of sickness that we'll talk to you more about the older that you get and kind of left it at that. And he's made peace with that. And he understands now who Brooke is because Brooke died when he was maybe three from an overdose. Um, but she was living in Florida and at t they had somewhat of a relationship just kind of in and out, but never like living with Brooke. She, he has always lived with Ashley and Parker wild mm -hmm. yeah that's a lot yeah that's a lot and that's shaky mm -hmm. these are and these are the patterns oh man these are the patterns you don't know because you don't we my older sister came into my life when I was 14 and she was 24 and she was adopted so she's my biological half-sister she okay. was adopted out and then meeting her that much older when she had already like lived her childhood totally. and she had she has like facial expressions and like these little mannerisms that are she obviously got from my dad even though she didn't know him yeah. you know and so or didn't wasn't around him since she was a baby mm -hmm. and then there's so many um you know these things come out mentally too and in, in in beliefs and so i don't know these are the things that you just when there's that he has a family and he's well cared for yeah. and there's like what's gonna creep up what's gonna bubble up that's right. like from these people he doesn't know right but he's from right yeah that's that's an interesting thing to say too because you really do as a parent of somebody who takes somebody in and makes adoption even you know things are gonna bubble up that's a good way to put it and nobody knows like even if both parents, both biological parents are raising a child, things bubble up and they're like, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. we got to tackle this. But <laughs> this. when it's the genetics of somebody else, it really is like, what the fuck? Like, OK, we just got to figure this out. Like, we mm -hmm. got to figure this out. And it's wild. Parenting's wild, no matter if they're your kiddos biologically or they're adopted in. It's wild. And I luckily with my luckily I say uh, I can relate a little bit just because my brother passed away um, from an overdose whenever Carson was only three and a half years old so I still remember some aspects of that obviously because it wasn't that long ago for me but you know Carson's now 16 and it, just like what you said with the facial expressions even the way he teases like he spends time with us every year so no doubt that rubs off on him the competitive nature everything but man he's like I always called my brother skinny fat because we like to eat but he like has pretty skinny structure and Carson's just like skinny but like fit and plays baseball and it's just like weird it's so weird to look at him and his family where his mama's about five foot one maybe and Carson's already six one like 16 Dang. years old my brother was six five so their family photos are hilarious because grandpa you know is maybe this may be generous like five nine like and that's the tallest guy um his stepdad's maybe <sighs> maybe five seven and then there's like Carson <laughs> this huge kid and this picture this family picture of the highest point being five nine and it it fits because he obviously looks like that side of the family he's just a giant too mm -hmm. you know so it's I don't know get in where you can fit in for sure but it's super important to make whether you're adopting a kid or somebody loses a parent or whatever the case to help them feel like 
no, you belong, you're right where you need to be. You belong here. You're ours. You're a part of our family. And we feel blessed that even at 16 years old, I, I started to fear he'd stop when, because he lives in Arkansas. So I started to fear him not wanting to come around like 11, 12, as kids kind of get more into mm. their phones and friends and think, uh-uh, he had to go back early. He comes for two weeks at a time during the summer. He had to go back a few days early and was upset. You know, he's like, I'm not ready to go. I don't want to go yet. Aww. So it's just really cool and just goes to show how important family is and making sure that family knows how important they are to you specifically. Those mm-hmm. family ties, they're deep for sure. They can be genetic, but more than anything, it's the connection. It's a soul connection. It has to be. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, I know you, you've talked a lot about how there you often felt like the odd man out. Or, like, you know, the rainbow sheep, the black sheep. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... I don't know anybody who doesn't feel that way at some point in childhood. Totally. You know, it's like... Because we are unique and different from each other. And... But we don't... But, I don't know, beginning to fathom that through childhood is, like... It's rough. Yeah. So, having those distinct differences... You know, of like being so much taller than everybody else or being a different color from everybody else or being, you know, whatever it is. Um, I wonder if that makes it easier or harder on those kids, because it's like for me, I always felt like that. And so when I am the only person in the room that speaks English Mm -hmm. or the only woman in the room, the only white person in the room, I'm like, oh, this is familiar. This is fine. Yeah. I know this feeling. It's comfort. You're uh-huh. comfortable in that feeling mm-hmm. because you've experienced it before mm-hmm. as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think I've adopted the phrase, um, I'm still in my awkward phase. <laughs> I feel like I've been Stop. in it my whole life. <laughs> it's not just 13 for me. <laughs> it's like 35 years of this. Um, and, and because my parents have always told me, I'm lucky that both of my parents have always told me, like, you're different and that's beautiful. You may not be as skinny as so the other sweet. cheerleaders, but you are beautiful. And honestly, the truth of the matter is, I I was. I didn't look like them. That didn't mean they could tumble better than me. It didn't mean they could throw girls in the air like me. And didn't mean their jumps were necessarily higher than me. My body chemistry and structure was just different. So I think because my mom was thicker which hardly like but in her time compared to other girls was considered thicker and her mom was more like you know you need to lose weight you need Mm -hmm. to you know I love my mom all she's come a very long way she was a major part of my life but she was super hard on my mom like she made my mom feel fat I never got that even when I was fat I was still told I was beautiful and what matters is how I feel inside and how I feel about myself and I think that's because both my parents truly, like, believed that. It wasn't, they weren't trying to compare me to other people's kids, you know. And I feel like my mom all back in that time, in the 70s, like, okay, well, we have to keep up a certain, you know, look or, you know, keep up with the Jones, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like, oh, damn, my daughter is a badass at softball. You go, girl. You're whooping ass. You're kicking ass. It wasn't like that, per se. It was more physical because that's how she was raised, that conditioned thinking. I'm thankful that my mom broke that shit. She was like, "Uh uh-uh, my daughters are beautiful. I don't care if they're skinny, fat. I don't care. They're beautiful, and they're good to people, and they love people, and that's all I could possibly ask for. We got to break those cycles, man. You do, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
So that's, I tell Parker all the time too, like, it's okay to be weird. What is weird? That's weird is cool in ways. Like you being weird is unique and unique is not bad. If we could just change the word weird to unique, Mm -hmm. what a difference it would make. It's such a prettier word and it's cooler to spell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's a, it's like your signature that you're bringing here. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, and trying to figure out how, how to serve it, how to be that in a way that's like cohesive with other people and doesn't quiet you, but also doesn't quiet other people. Right. Let's all raise each other up. Yeah. Yeah. That's maturing. Mm. I think that's like so much of it. Yeah. One of my patients a few, a while back was um, talking about his son. I think his son's like 14 or so. And he's got a couple other kids too. And, um, he was talking about being in step with his son and, Mm. and like walking this path with his son and being someone he can talk to and, and, uh, need. Right. And what he said, parent differently than he was parented. Right. I said, how do you do that? Yeah. You know? And he said, well, oh, my God. It was riveting. I'm, like, crying in my office. He left, and I'm still crying. And all he said was, well, you know what hurt you, and you know what you needed. I'm going to cry about it again. It was so, like, well, duh, yeah, like, so clear, so clear. You know know what hurt you, and you know what you needed in that moment. Yeah. I love that. I love your big heart. (laughs) I see you. You're like, I'm going to hold this in, but I want, like... I love how those moments stick with you too. That's so, that's so cool. So real. Yeah. Just so, and it's that simple. I was about to say the, that raw, like realness, like it is like, what did hurt you as a child? Like mm-hmm. even when Parker comes home and there are kids that pick on him because he is different, man. He, he is definitely different. Um, if kids are picking on him, I'm trying to teach him things like of kindness. You know, if somebody's picking on you instead of giving the rise that they know they're going to get out of you, ask him if he's okay. Are you doing okay? You seem, you seem off today. Like reverse psychology in a way, but also in a caring way. Like, why are you picking on me, bro? You know, without saying, why are you picking on me, bro? Mm -hmm. It's like, are you all right? Like you seem a little unhinged today (laughs) without saying you're unhinged, but Mm -hmm. you know, just trying to find ways where, okay, if, you were being picked on, how would you, you got to think that's coming from somewhere from the bully that's coming from somewhere and it doesn't make it right, but it's coming from somewhere, whether it's conditioned behavior. Again, they see it from their parents. They see it from whatever, or maybe they're just bullied by their parents. Who, who knows what's going on in somebody's life at home. And so I think the more you can communicate that with your kids, even just being like, look, not everybody has the same home life as you. People have different lives and to be more understanding to that, how would you want to be treated? That's how you treat others. Even if people don't reciprocate that to you, mm-hmm. that doesn't give you a right to treat them how they've treated you. It's better to walk away. That's awesome. That's it's so hard. important because kids are bullies. They you are. Know, kids are rough on each other. It's true. And yeah. I don't think that's ever going to end, honestly. No, no. So it's just no teaching kids better ways to cope with that I mean mm-hmm. I definitely had days where I'd go home crying but you know my mom would talk to me about it and make me feel better and we'd talk it out and it'd be okay and at the end of the day it is and I'm a better person because I had those conversations with my mom or my dad those 
parental parental moments that are so essential that some kids just don't get. They get mm-hmm. toughened up or, well, maybe you shouldn't have da da da. It's like, no, it shouldn't be. Maybe you shouldn't have da da da. It's let's break this down. Like this is a kid. They're going to absorb what you say. If you say you shouldn't have worn that shirt. Well, then that kid's never going to wear his favorite shirt again because Mm -hmm. some kid made fun of him. Like that's silly. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Communication, everything, communication, every relation. Damn. Damn. Damn girl. (laughs) So many moving parts. I know. To the human experience. It is. Mm-hmm. So, is your son excited for a new baby? Or I don't know. He's like, I don't know if he fully grasps it. I don't know yeah. if I do either. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Like, <laughs> he like some days he wants to kiss and cuddle my belly, and then other days I'm like, "Where's your baby?" And he says, "No." So <laughs> that's real, though. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some days I'm like, I'm gonna eat you, bro. Like. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he's he's so cute though. Yeah. He's so cute. And he I don't he's just so cute. And he's um has a lot of Spanglish. Yeah. He this morning he asked me for moss egg. Oh. Moss egg. Oh, <laughs> he's so fresh. Yeah. Do you feel like you've learned more Spanish? Oh yeah. 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 We went to Mexico at the beginning of July and I was like really proud of myself for how much I was able to converse with Victor's family and, like, understand when... So it's one thing to be able to have a one-on-one conversation like this Mm -hmm. with someone who knows, like, I don't speak great Spanish, so over-enunciate your words, talk slow for me. But then it's a whole other thing to be at, like, having a meal with a family and they're all talking amongst each other. Oh, yeah. Right? And um, to be able to kind of pick out and think I kind of know what they're talking about that was a big step this time that's (laughs) a lot of like absorbing and translating at the same time Mm -hmm. and and I'm not at the point where I can like participate Mm -hmm. but just to be able to shut up and listen Mm -hmm. was like it's humbling yeah 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 super cool it's so fun and it's so um when I jump the border I call it breaking my head open and that's what I, like, I wish for other people. And I'm always, like, when people don't have their, when Americans, U.S. citizens don't have their passports, I'm like, you're missing out, dude. Yeah. It is one of our biggest privileges as United Statesians, you know, because yeah. we can, every, most other countries have so much, so many more rules about leaving the country, you yeah. know, and they have to get their special visas and they have this special process that they have to go to, through. And we pretty much just have to get our passport and afford a plane ticket. Yeah. You know, that's it. Dang. So breaking your head open. It's a big deal. I like yeah. that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super cool. I want to start traveling, but not just to resorts because I will go to other countries. And I love a good all-inclusive ideal, mm-hmm. but I want to break break my head open a little more than that yeah you got to it's totally different yeah I'm I'm mostly like don't go to resorts yeah and I have been to one and it was like you know it's like fun it's posh you feel really like special but it was I felt like it was very I was very separated from the people yeah like that like even here when we go out I'm like chatting with my server and 
chatting with my cashier, you know what I'm saying? So I just don't want to be above anybody. Yeah. And I don't want to be treated below either. Right. And so in order for that, like, I make sure I don't treat anybody else below. Right. You know what I'm saying? So when we, even before I was with Victor, like, I would go places and, like, make an effort to just be with the people. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. You got to do it. You do. I feel even at resorts, like, I try to just have conversations and ask about family life and just things like that. Just curious about how they live outside of this resort. And even, even that I don't, I feel like they're still catering to Americans. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to sit here and be like, my home life sucks. We don't have AC. (laughs) Like they're, you know, we're in the middle of this beautiful resort that I paid for. So they're just trying to appease me and the questions I'm asking without being like, yeah, life totally sucks at home or like life's amazing at home. Like mm-hmm. either way, they're just kind of, okay, well, I got to go get this person to drink. I'm doing my job. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's not the same experience at all. Even excursions you take from a resort or something like that. It's just not, you're only getting a, a baby taste of their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All families are so different. Yeah. Yeah. Even the food's different from, like, West Coast to East Coast in Mexico. Really? Like, sometimes, this last time we got the same dish that my husband nerded out on when we went to the West Coast. Wait, hold on. Yeah, we went to the West Coast last year. We went to the East Coast just now in July. And um, we got this, like, shrimp dish that... Victor really likes and so like comparing the two so then imagine like all the different households how they're going to make that differently and how they I mean even here like how we all I mean we just all do different yeah 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 we have um can I say we have a travel podcast yeah please do yes please so me and Victor have a travel podcast together and so um when we go on our big trips, obviously, we talk about that. Sometimes we do some local tourism, and we'll talk about that, too. But that's one of the things my husband is, that's, like, his thing is food. Yeah. And so we talk about the different kinds of tortillas and, like, between Mexico City and, like, um, where were we? In Chiapas last year. And then, like, the different shrimp dish. And the food is completely different in these different regions. But it's also, like, here, Texas barbecue and Tennessee barbecue is different. Right. Obviously, we do better. Right. Saying, but, like, the different in like Cali Mex versus Tex Mex. Totally, there's nothing quite like Tex Mex for sure, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's not it's not Mexican food uh-huh. at the same time. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, no, man. no, it's totally different. Totally. I remember even just going to Chicago once, and we went to a Mexican a Mexican restaurant or whatever, and I was like, "Can we get some queso?" And they were like, "We don't have that." What? Like, what? Like, you don't have melted cheese in a bowl with like, <laughs> chips? What do you mean? And they were like, we have fundido. And I was in my early oh. 20, uh, maybe 19 at the time, actually. No, maybe 20. But anyways, they were like, we have fundido. It's melted cheese. And I was like, okay. Like, okay, maybe Chicago calls queso something different. So, like, they bring out fundido. I'm like, what the hell is this with tortillas, no chips? And I'm like, okay, well, I guess, you know, put the cheese in the tortilla, <laughs> roll it up. And I'm like, hmm, this is weird weird this is like fondue <laughs> yeah. you know it just it's wild it's so different it's so different everywhere but especially it, there's a reason it's called Tex-Mex no doubt no doubt mm-hmm. it's so mm-hmm. funny we're neighbors yeah 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 a lot of them when I was down there in Mexico City they like to remind me that 
like I'll be like I'm from Texas and they're like well that's Mexico you know okay and and there's several parts especially like in south texas that Uh we've changed our shape you know so many times like yes i heard somebody say the people down there the border moved over them Mm. not interesting yeah and so there's families that have been in the united states for so long but like the border's been moving back and forth across them so they're like are Mm. we we're mexican but we're texan so interesting yeah yeah we're all amigos. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. That's so funny. I remember one time uh, at a resort uh, in Mexico, this guy asked us, he's like, so where are y'all from? We said, Texas. And he was like, Houston, Texas. Just assumed. <laughs> and I was like, all right, like, sure. Like, not really, but sure, man. It was just so funny. We are like, you say the word Texas, which is ginormous. Mm-hmm. And like where people associate, okay, well, you must be from Houston. Mm-hmm. Just interesting. People are so interesting. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Have you been asked if you have a horse? Oh, God, so many times. So (laughs) many times. Like, we went to, where, New Mexico, maybe? I think it was New Mexico in eighth grade with theater. And I remember me and my friend Paige were, like, dancing on the dance floor and, like, met these kids. And they were like, so do y'all ride horses to school? And we're like, what the? No, man. Like, we don't. Do y'all go cow tipping? I'm like, no, brah. Like, in the middle of the city. the city, like, yeah, <laughs> like, we're suburban, <laughs> but, I mean, it's the assumption, like, yeah. oh, you got cowboy, you got a lot of cowboy hats on it, I don't have one cowboy hat, sir, like, not one, so it's just, it is funny, like, what you associate in different places, and, you know, Utah, you're like, you see nothing, or you, you know, you have this idea of what Utah is, or mm-hmm. where any given place is, and then you go, and you're like, oh, I mean, you see hints of that stereotype, but for the most part, you're like, oh, okay. Just people living. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Conditioned thinking is just hilarious. Mm -hmm. It really is. Open your eyes, folks. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for real. Remember the first time I left the country? One of the biggest things, I was, like, watching this woman on a bus with her baby. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we all hold our babies the same way. Yeah. I was in Nicaragua. I was like, what is that, 1,400 miles, I think, from home. Wow. And just, like, the the way that people move with their kids. Like, yeah, it's all the same. Okay, what's so funny about you saying that, even, is I was just watching this video the other day, and beavers, they hold their babies like we do. Like beavers. They walk around on their little feet, and they hold their babies uh, like that. And I'm like, we're all the same, man. We are all the same. Like, look at this mama just being a mom with her yes. baby. Like, just yes. building a dam. Like, got her baby. Like, all this stuff. And I'm just like, man, this is so cool. <laughs> Family's awesome. I don't know. It's just cool. And even gorillas, and it's the same thing. Like, there's been instances where kids have fallen into gorilla, mm-hmm. like, and they pick them up, and they're, I mean, if that was a grown man that fell in there, it'd be a different story, no doubt. But the motherly instinct to pick up this child, whether it's your species or not, mm-hmm. and care for this child until, I mean, this huge-ass gorilla, like, walked over and gave this, like, six-year-old to this, uh, per- the zoo worker, you know? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Like, <sighs> the fear in the child, but also, like what a moment for that child like looking back to be like holy shit like I could have died and instead this instinct from this animal was to care for me and make sure I got to somebody who knew what to do with me like Mm -hmm. wow oh my gosh so precious right beautiful yeah 
Okay. I have no idea how long we've been talking. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm going to tag your podcast at the bottom of this. And I'm sure, look, oh, yeah, an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> longest one yet. <laughs> it has been oh, more than a pleasure to have you. And I can't wait to reconnect after we have these babies. Yes. The babies are going to be friends. I'm yeah, feeling, yeah. I don't know what it is, but I'm feeling girl vibes. So, yeah. We'll oh, my God. Then they can dance in theater class like we did. <laughs> oh, my God. So cute. Yes. I love it. I can't wait. Stage. <laughs> All right. Well, we're signing wait. off. Thanks, Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Thanks for joining me. Mm-hmm. Talk to you later, dolls.